0: Gumbo listeners, this episode is brought to you in part by, is your business prepared for disruptions caused by severe weather, user errors, or ransomware attacks? With Quorum, you are ready, and your business won't miss a beat when the world around you seems to be falling apart. Visit quorum.com, q-u-o-r-u-m.com for more information.
1: Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of Data Protection Gumbo.
0: Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, thank you so much for being here today. We have a fantastic show lined up for you today, I have William McKnight president at McKnight Consulting Group, joining us today in a moment. And before I bring him on, just a little bit about him. He has been recognized as the number one global influencer in data, big data, cloud, and also data center by Thinkers360 and is a top global influencer in master data management by Analytica and 2022. So he is the founder and president of McKnight Consulting Group, which advises many global 2000 companies, including Pfizer, Verizon, United Health Group, etc., on ways to grow their businesses using big data. So super excited to have you on the show, William. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo.
1: Thank you, Demetrius. It's great to be here. Awesome.
0: Let's start by giving the listeners a, an update or a quick rundown and intro of McKnight Consulting Group.
1: So I've been consulting now for 25 plus years, and it's always in the, the space of enterprise data. So trying to make enterprise data into the very best asset it can be for my clients. And historically, that's meant putting that data into data warehouses creating analytics and business intelligence out of it. And in the past decade, it's uh, flipped more to big data and large data sets. And what are we going to do with that? And it's only not only the data warehouse, but it's also the data lake. It's also master mm-hmm. data management, the way that we're handling data through data streaming and so on. And the things we're doing to data through machine learning and uh, all the application of advanced analytics within the enterprise. So. That's been our focus. I also work with a lot of the leading vendors that provide the software into this market and help them with their architecture, their positioning, and uh, some thought pieces for them.
0: Okay. Awesome. Now, I know where data warehousing sits. Well, I know where big data sits, and big data was a big thing about maybe, what What was that, five to seven or maybe 10 years ago. It's been a while when that term was Everyone was using the term big data. And big data was all different types of data, large data sets that, that were coming in from sensors and social media and you know different form factors. But data warehousing, I don't hear that term as much. Can you give us your definition of data warehousing and also I guess the, the value of being able to tap into a data warehouse?
1: Yeah, it's still a very important enterprise asset. And most enterprises have one or more of what they would call a data warehouse. Now, we haven't done a great job at standardizing the definition, but nonetheless, uh, it's a collection point for operational data, where the data is actually integrated. And it presents more of an enterprise view of a subject area like customer, product, sales, Uh, sites, ingredients, what what have you, anything of interest to the organization at that level that you can create some great enterprise analytics out of, like customer lifetime value or propensity to buy or things like that. Things where you need multiple data sets and you possibly can't do it on the same data set that's running the business, where that data is coming into. So it's a separate analytical database where you can do all these things, where you can do your basic reporting and your regulatory reporting and your financial close reporting and all that stuff too, but also your more advanced analytics.
0: Okay, got it. And what about the term digital transformation? I I continue to hear it. Some people don't like to to hear that term anymore because it's more cliche than anything, digital transformation. And it means that you know everything is essentially a zero and a one. How, how do you feel about that term, and 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 maybe do you think it's still relevant to use that term, or maybe maybe debunk digital transformation, and 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 what do you see that term used as?
1: I mean, it's still relevant, and I like it, and my clients use it. And uh, in my view, though, it really means data maturity, and the more mature you are as an enterprise with the use of your information and your data, the more along the the, the scale of digital transformation that you are, it's highly correlated. It's not only getting the data in order, but it's what you're doing with the data. And getting that data in order means having a great data architecture. It means the warehouses and the lakes that we've talked a little bit about. And it means all the other constructs that make sense today. There's no one size fits all to that. But definitely higher levels of data maturity for an enterprise mean that they can achieve the digital transformation that they're looking for.
0: Okay, so it's it's more about wrapping your arms around where the data is sitting and and tapping into the intelligence around the data. Where is it sitting? How can you tap into it and and just really making sure that you are making that investment of data uh, to the best of your ability? Because some people think that you know moving data and workloads to the cloud is going to solve all of their challenges. However, that's far from it. Right? <laughs> There's a lot more that goes into, yes, let's lift and shift these workloads and move them into the cloud and because we're going to be more agile and more elastic and all these things. But yes, some of those are important. So let me get your perspective on just being able to manage data overall and kind of that master data management, how important is it for our listeners to truly understand and and wrap their arms around all of their data and and to be able to manage it?
1: Yes, it's very important. It's uh, highly correlated to the success of the organization. And there are organizations that at super low levels of data maturity today, I just don't think that they have a chance uh, to survive uh, if they don't get their data act together, because today it's No matter what business you're in, you might be in insurance or retail or pharmaceuticals, you are in the business of data. It's about your data. It's about knowing more than the competition, doing more with it than the competition and so on. And so if you don't have all your data in order, uh, or what I like to say is under management, where it's a place that you can rely on, you can... Uh, understand that that data has high data quality, it performs well, et cetera, those things. If it's just sitting around somewhere, that's not under management. But if you, when you the more data you have under management, the more you can utilize that data and then achieve the results that you're looking for. And so I often talk to IT professionals who say things like, well, the business isn't asking for this or that data set to be cultivated curated in any way. It's just sitting there and maybe somebody uses it the hard way once in a while, but they're not asking for more. Well, that's not good enough today. We have to figure out what more can be done with that data set and then influence the business to actually do those things with the data because that's where the business will win in the competitive environment that we are in over the next five, ten years. It's definitely going to be about your data. So help the business then if you're in IT, help the business understand that value proposition and then get that data under management, get all of it under management.
0: OK, and it sounds like you are having lots of conversations with C-level executives, because a- as you were speaking there, it just really seemed like a, a high level conversation, uh, mostly with-, with those types of executives, because they're the ones who really care about where the business ends up in the, you know, what's the bottom line? How is this affecting the overall organization? And are we compliant and are we meeting all of those regulations, et cetera? But I, I want to to maybe dig into virtualization of data, data virtualization. How do you view that? And do you think that is something that has fundamentally changed the way organizations look at their data?
1: So, by data virtualization, okay, to me, that means that the data could be in multiple places within the enterprise, but you can pull it together, no matter where it is, in a given query or in a given report, let's say. And, okay, so if that's what we're talking about, I think that's a very important part of data architecture. And we implement that aspect to our data architectures all the time because we're not going to get the data design perfect every time to all the requirements. There's really no such thing. The only way to do that is to put all data everywhere just in case. And nobody has the resources to do that. The environment would absolutely explode because, again, we don't have one size fits all. We don't have everybody just use this one data warehouse and that'll be it. Enterprises work too fast for things like that to actually happen. You've got data all over the place. You need to enable data virtualization so you can get to that data no matter what. But at the same time, and this is the real delicate balancing act for the enterprise data architect today, at the same time, you don't want to implement a poor architecture and just say, well, data virtualization will take care of it. You need to implement a great architecture. Most of the queries that you run in an enterprise, the data needs to be, in the same data set that you've you've curated and pulled together. But for those edge cases and maybe for something short-term, yeah, definitely data virtualization.
0: And is that who you have most of your conversations with enterprise architects?
1: Uh, a lot of them, absolutely. Because you know, they're charted with something pretty important to the enterprise and uh, they need to get it right. So you mentioned before talking to executives, a lot of executives do want to do this thing called be data-driven. Maybe some of your listeners have heard that term out there, be data-driven, uh, but they don't know how. And it's the enterprise data architect that's going to lead them to that promised land or not.
0: And wh- where I see the enterprise architect sitting is that it's, it's, it's an IC and independent contributor role. However, it sits at the top of the food chain of just like your normal subject matter expert or your different engineers the guys who are doing backups the guys who are doing security the guys who are doing cloud the architect sits above that and has visibility in conversations with all of those groups is, is that is that how you see it or what's your definition
1: yeah i mean i like to raise that role uh pretty high oh okay uh in in an, in an organization but it can be de- it can definitely be layered i mean you have to have database architects you have to have system administrators and, database designers and so on, of course, uh, but but I love it when a, an architect, somebody who knows all those disciplines, actually has a, a voice at a high level within the organization because that's a great way to help ensure that you're going to become, de- become that data-driven. And so many organizations have a chief analytics officer or obviously a CTO that's been around a little while, but a CDO is also a pretty popular title these days i would say probably half of my enterprises enterprise clients that is have what's called a cdo a chief data officer and so uh, there's all kinds of data roles within an enterprise and it's not all centralized like it used to be so you have architects at different levels within the organization
0: awesome i appreciate that and where does so you you're you're having conversations with lots of clients because you're running a consultant group so you have a diverse myriad of different conversations with different individuals at different levels. What are you seeing? What's the number one thing that, or the number one conversation that you're having around data protection and just making sure that that data is secure and the risk is minimized when you're having these conversations from the bottom, right? Maybe from it with the system administrator all the way up to the top to a a chief data officer.
1: Well, there is a security overlay and it's become more predominant in recent years over everything that we do, you know, that we as data professionals do anymore. Uh, And it used to be sort of wide open, data's an enterprise asset, let everybody see it all. And it's kind of become something much more constrained where there's a need-to-know basis now for the the data within the enterprise. And so that has resulted in a lot more work around data security, a lot more of that discipline that needs to be developed within enterprises than there used to be. So that's one aspect of data security. Of of course, the threat landscape uh, is out there, it's ever-evolving. Uh, with cyber threats constantly changing, making it difficult to stay ahead of the curve in that way. You have data now, like I mentioned before, not in one, one place, but a lot of places within the enterprise. So it's hard to not only from an architect's perspective, keep that data somewhat consistent, but also keep it secure because you have more centralized data that's under great centralized policy but who knows about the departments and all the data that's sitting out there. And if that's being unkept under, that data is being kept under the same standard, you know? So the the fact that data is in multiple platforms is something I'm hearing a lot about as being a challenge. All the regulations that are coming as well that, that also have to do, a little bit anyway, with data security, we have to ensure that we're compliant with those regulations like GDPR, HIPAA, CCPA, and so on. We also need to be educating employees on best practices. It's not just a only a few people need to know about it anymore. Now it's really part of new employee orientation. It's part of ongoing education of the workforce. And that's about cybersecurity, best practices, passwords, you know not walking out the door with 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 your data whether you're working from home or whether you're at an office you know and then overall there's so much you can do about security you got to manage the overall cost of that as well
0: yeah i agree wholeheartedly with with all of those things and you also wrote a book about what it's a decade now right it's uh 2013 is that correct
1: um i think it was 2014, 15, somewhere
0: in there, maybe. Somewhere around there? Okay. I wrote a few. And so it's on information management strategies for gaining a competitive advantage with data, the savvy manager's guide. What, What would you say from writing that book and what you laid out in that book? Were you or did you anticipate everything that you wrote in that book has now come to pass? Are those strategies still the same or did you did you feel that maybe I missed something or I want to write that second or third edition of this book?
1: I think the most glaring thing to me is that the technology set has changed a bit. And back then, Hadoop was uh, and this may or may not be resonant with your with all the listeners out there. But oh, yeah, keep going. But uh, Hadoop was kind of all the rage. And that's where we were putting all the big data and so on, and and now it's more about cloud storage. And that was just sort of beginning back then. So technology selection was one thing that I would probably update, but a lot of it's greenfield. You know, how we run projects, uh, the organizational change management aspect of how we do projects, the agile aspect to doing projects, even data warehousing. A lot, a lot of that hasn't changed. We're still not doing a great job at it out there in enterprises. As a matter of fact, a lot of times I'll get brought into an enterprise for something and then I'll just sort of figure out that really it's effort expended on the data warehouse is where they're going to get the biggest bang for the buck. Still, they may not want to, but they're still going to get the best value by putting effort into their data warehouse. And so a lot of the data warehousing parts, they're still relevant. You know, graph databases, they're still relevant. Master data management, of course, still relevant. So a lot of that is still relevant, uh, just some of the technology set, uh, like uh, more, more cloud today for sure than there was back then.
0: And maybe one more question, where do you see AI? and ml fit into the the landscape maybe especially around data warehousing is that something you see integrated or utilized with data warehousing or or maybe it's not utilized there i'm not sure i don't i don't know much about that
1: no it's it's like wow this is a uh, this is the next huge wave for technologists and enterprises and it's for sure something that enterprises need to be embracing and i view ai ml on that data maturity spectrum whereas before i was talking about about you know achieving more levels of data maturity through having you know your data lake your master data management and so on having that all together and working together and so on uh, aiml is on that spectrum but you can't get great aiml within an inter- enterprise if you don't have your data act together at least to some degree And that means you have to have a great data architecture. You have to know where that data is. It's gonna be utilized by your AI algorithms. You you have to have clean data that goes into the AI algorithms and so on so you can trust the results. And so data is really the big step one towards AI and ML. And I think AI and, and ML is something that every enterprise really needs to be doing and considering for all of their initiatives. Today, it's really exploded on the scene.
0: Okay, and I, I really like that statement you just said. Do you have your data act together? I think we may have stumbled on the podcast episode title here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. And so, what, one final question for you: what What are you reading? What's on your nightstand,
1: Will? Oh, I like to read about history, personally, and I like to read about business and economics and things of this nature. I use this app called Blinkist a lot. So I kind of go back and forth between a real book and a, and a book summary. So some books, I just like to get the high points. And so, you know, I'll knock off a few summaries every day. And then, and then there are books that I follow on to uh, a little bit more. So a lot of history. I'm, I'm into that.
0: Okay, nice. And maybe, maybe your, your favorite story from history that is still pertinent to this day.
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, so many. Um, well, my favorite book of all time is Guns, Germs, and Steel mm, Okay, by Jared Diamond. And uh, I, I recommend that for everybody. It's it's really one of uh, a few books that if you read it, you can learn more about why we are the way we are, how we got here, and that sort of thing. And it has a, a chapter on Easter Island, which has always fascinated me. I'd love to go there someday. But anyway, the, the whole uh, origin story about Easter Island and then the the story about how it, it went down and went down to, you know, uh, very few inhabitants that were really struggling. And that whole rise and fall of Easter Island, I think that has applicability today to the broader, you know, planet and, and all of us. So there are some some great uh, warnings in there and uh, maybe some lessons to be learned.
0: OK, well, I'm sure I will check that out as well. And. Uh, William, I truly appreciate you spending time with us on Data Protection Gumbo. And before I let everyone go, I just would like to remind you that please go out to Apple Podcast and leave us a review. Um, we really would appreciate you leaving a review. And also, if you are on LinkedIn, please go to LinkedIn and join our backup and recovery professionals group. There's already over 20,000 professionals in that group today. So it's a great place to have conversations with your peers and to also learn more information about security, data management, storage, backup, etc. So thank you again, William. I appreciate you being here and make sure you back up your data and keep your data secure.